just like every other podcast. Welcome back to the Drunk Turkey Show. I'm Daniel. We had a bit of a, a document dump happen not too long ago, and I've been getting a lot of emails, Facebook messages, emails, the whole nine yards referencing this order addressing the IgG DNA and the order for in-camera review. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people say that this is a, a win for the defense. They're, you know, they're going to finally be able to see, or somebody's going to finally be able to see the IgG information. Well, let's break it down. Let's read what it really says and and what's going on. I highlighted the uh, the important parts of the discussion today. As part of the law enforcement investigation into the homicides, the FBI employed the use of investigative genetic genealogy, IgG, using DNA located on a K-Barn knife sheath found at the scene. Nothing about law enforcement's use of the IgG was used to obtain the arrest warrant for Koberger or to obtain the search warrant for his DNA. Now, I know a lot of folks are saying like, hey, there's DNA you know, information that is brought up in the probable cause affidavit. There was a 166-page drop, and it, it references the DNA as well. Well, first, I think where the confusion might be is the different types of DNA that there are. First and foremost, they found touch DNA on the knife sheath. They created an STR profile at the Idaho State Lab, where that DNA was sent to a third-party genetic lab where they developed the SNP profile. Now, the other DNA sample that was also there is a familial DNA. That was t basically what that was, was when they pulled the DNA out of Koberger's parents' trash on December 27th. And they, in my opinion, weren't trying to find trash or DNA from Brian Koberger's father. They knew Brian Koberger was staying with his parents. I think they were trying to find his DNA amongst the trash. However, they didn't find any, but they got some for his dad. So those are the different types. You have the IgG, the STR, and SNP, and then you have uh, dad's DNA. Those are three different types of DNA used very differently. And I think some folks are getting confused with the familial DNA from the father and the IgG of the genetic tree that's being built. And I'll explain why here in a sec. Let's go through this. So th this goes on to say the court finds that the defense is likely entitled to see at least some of the information from the IgG investigation even if it may ultimately be found to have no relevance in Coverter's defense. However, because the court has not seen exactly what information pertaining to the use of the IgG is available, the court cannot say precisely what should and what should not be disclosed at this time. Because of this uncertainty, the court grants the state's request for an in-camera review of the IgG information. After such review, the court will enter an appropriate discovery and protective orders. Uh, basically, what that means is that they, uh, they feel that there's probably nothing there, but they can't say with certainty, so they have to look at it. And once they look at it, then they'll give that determination. So let's continue. So this is the background. It says, while investigating the murders, law enforcement discovered a tan leather knife sheath laying on the bed next to Mogan. The Idaho State Lab later located a single source of male DNA left on the button snap of the knife sheath. Once law enforcement had a single source of DNA from the K-Barn knife sheath, they conducted what is called a short tandem repeat STR analysis. Law enforcement submitted the STR DNA profile obtained from the K-Barn knife sheath to the Combined DNA Index System, or Codex, a database of STR DNA profiles from convicted offenders, arrestees, and crime scene evidence to identify the source of the DNA. No match was found. Meanwhile, Law enforcement continued to investigate the homicides. They conducted a video canvas in the area of the King Road residence. So this was happening. This profile was found very early because this was happening while they were conducting the video canvases. The video canvases started the next day. It says that in the probable cause affidavit states that the first thing that they did were the video canvases and that they found the white Elantra and the whole nine yards, right? On November 29, 2022, after reviewing video footage and asking law enforcement agencies to be on the lookout for a white Hyundai Elantra in the area, a 2015 white Elantra registered defendant, Brian Koberger, was located in Pullman, Washington. 
The state case alleges that with this information, law enforcement determined Koberger's physical description match that was given to investigators by the surviving roommate to the victims and Koberger's cell phone travel was consistent with that of the white Elantra in the early morning hours of November 13, 2022. Based on this information, law enforcement believed Koberger to be the driver of the white Elantra that was seen on video surveillance around the King Road residence at the time of the homicide. All right. So this is pretty important, right? Because this says here that they uh, believe that Koberger was the person that was traveling on the surveillance footage. When do you think that they believed that? Was that before they got his name? Or was that early on in the investigation by some secret witness that we don't know anything about? I think it's when the DNA came back from the genetic tree saying, hey, this is Brian Koberger. Look at him. On December 27th, Pennsylvania agents recovered the trash of Koberger's family residence loaded, located in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania. The evidence was sent to the Idaho State Lab for testing. On 28th of December, Idaho State Lab reported the DNA profile obtained from the trash and the DNA profile obtained from the sheath identified a male as not being excluded as the biological suspect's father. All right. On December 30th, that's when Koberger was arrested and charged with four counts of murder of the first degree and a count of burglary. A search warrant for Koberger's DNA was issued on January 5th. That's an important date to remember. January 5th, 2023. A traditional STR DNA comparison was done between the STR profile found on the K-bar knife sheath and the defendant's DNA and that it was a uh, statistical match. Uh, investigating the genetic genealogy, it says it is unknown to this court when exactly law enforcement employed the use of the IgG. We know when they got the result, though. This is from the New York Times. Uh, this is uh, Inside the Hunt for the Idaho Killer. Um, this document states here, FBI personnel worked with the profile that Othram had produced, according to the two people familiar with the investigation, spending days building out a family tree that began with a distant relative. By the morning of December 19th, records show that investigators had a name, Brian Koberger. He had a white Elantra. He was a student at the university eight miles away from the murder scene. Now, that's when they got his name. Now, they utilized the IgG. They got his name on December 19th. Is it possible that they knew his name before then? Unlikely. Reason being, and this is from the state's response on June or July 14th, it says the IgG process ha uh, could have no effect whatsoever on the STR analysis. Moreover, the DLJ policy on the IgG explains the FBI can only use the IgG after the investigating officer or investigating agency has pursued reasonable investigative leads to solve the case and the perpetrator's identity remains unknown. Once they have exhausted all methods of trying to locate a suspect and they have no more suspects anymore is when they can utilize this IgG, which means that they had no idea who this guy was until December 19th, which makes sense as to why everything was done after that date. His, the warrant for his phone pings or his locations come out on December 23rd. They pull the trash at his, uh, at his parents' house December 27th. They arrest him December um, 29th or 28th, 30th, somewhere around there. The defense is claiming that, you know, they want the information from the IgG and that this can somehow help their client and that this is somehow connected or it can't be used as a tip. Why is it being used as a tip? And it's, you know, they don't have to deploy the information. Well, it's kind of like the lie detector test, right? Where the lie detector test doesn't, it's not a certainty. It's just a tool that the uh, uh, police and prosecution use to help them point in the direction of where they should look basically the same thing. So it says here, because the identity of the person from whom the crime scene sample is uh, came from is often unknown, law enforcement used a false name, John Doe, for example, to submit to GED match. Then uh, with their John Doe matches, someone in the database, they use uh, genealogical data to determine a common ancestor 
who might be a great, great grandfather or great, great grandmother, then triangulate other data, birth records and stuff like that. So basically what they end up doing is they get a piece of DNA, they enter it into the 23andMe ancestry or whoever, and then they're going to get some matches back. The closest, re the closely related uh, relative is who they're going to look at. Now, if you have for instance, first cousins, what does that mean? That means that those two folks share the same grandparent, right? If you have second cousins, they share the same great, great grandparent, third cousins, you know, you, you get the drift, right? What they do is they say, all right, we got this one person, this is a fifth cousin. So they look up the great, 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 great grandparent. And that is also the great, 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 great grandparent of the suspect. And then from there, they um, try to find out and figure out all of the uh, offspring of that person and and those those individuals and so on and so on until they can kind of get an idea of who this person is based on area and things of that nature. Vicka Barlow, one of the witnesses who testified on the behalf of Koberger, explained the process of IgG. The use of databases like GED Match does not necessarily lead to a single individual as a potential suspect. Now, this is from the defense's witness. It says that the database and the GED Match does not necessarily lead to a single individual as a potential suspect. Because it doesn't point directly at Koberger, it cannot be used in court against him, which is why they're not using it in court against him. The product of genealogy conducted by the FBI was a, was a family tree that contained name, birth date, and death date of applicable of hundreds of relatives, as well as their familial connections between each other and the suspect, Brian C. Koberger. The FBI then sent the local, law, local enforcement a tip to investigate that defendant. The IgG process pointed law enforcement towards a defendant, but it did not provide law enforcement with substance, uh, substantive evidence of guilt. The FBI did not conduct a direct comparison between the S&P profile from the K-Bar knife sheet to the defendant's S&P profile. That type of direct comparison required the more traditional STR DNA analysis, which was, which, was, which was conducted by the Idaho State Police, not the FBI. Nothing about the S&P profile, the use of the IgG, or the family tree was used by law enforcement to obtain uh, the arrest warrant for Koberger in the Jan for Koberger, the January 5th, 2023 search warrant for Koberger's DNA or other search warrants in this case. So <clears throat> remember when I said January 5th was an important date. Let's go back and look at, at the search warrants here. So this is the search warrant and that 166 page drop, right? It states here on 1230-22, servicing search warrants at the Step 2 apartment. So remember that date, 1230. What was the date I told you guys? January 5th. So this is before they had the warrant for Brian Koberger to test his DNA. Now, what they do is they utilize in here, and we'll go down to page 44, supplemental disclosure DNA test. I have been informed by Detective J.R. Tailbot of the Idaho State Police that on November 13th, a sheath was discovered or recovered at the King Road residence under or next to the body of Madison Mogan. The Idaho State Lab obtained a male DNA profile from the sheath. On December 27th, law enforcement officers in Pennsylvania recovered the trash originated from the Koberger family. The trash was sent to the Idaho State State Crime Lab for testing. On the 28th of December, the state lab reported the DNA profile obtained by the trash was compared to the suspect's DNA profile, and it came back to being uh, that profile being the father of the suspect, right? Uh, the information is being provided by the court pursuant to my duty of obligation to fully candid to the court. I do not believe this information is exculpatory for the suspect. However, if the court believes it is exculpatory, then the court should consider the supplemental disclosure in its evaluation of existence for public cause lack thereof. But I'm specifically 
asking the court not to consider the supplemental disclosure as evidence supporting the existence of probable cause. The reason for this is request that if the DNA results are held inadmissible at some point, such a ruling would not impact the finding of probable cause for this warrant, so long as the court is satisfied with the probable cause regardless of the DNA test results. So all that is saying, and basically what that means is, whose DNA did they test towards the knife sheath at that point? On December 30th, 2022, whose match did they have? No one. They had the fact that BK's father, his DNA came back as 99.9998% the suspect's father. So they didn't have a direct match. When they go in there and they get these warrants and they, you know, they're utilizing this DNA, they're basically what they're saying is, is it's not going to be utilized in court later because we're going to have the DNA STR profile to match directly to Brian Koberger. It's not as shady as, as what some folks are saying. It's just the fact is they hadn't had the warrant yet. That came on January 5th. Right, let's go back to this. While the FBI no longer has access to view much of the information it used to create the family tree, the state acknowledges the FBI does possess the family tree itself. Notes jotted down by FBI agents as they constructed the family tree and any records created to document the removal of the SNP profile from the Genetic Genealogy Services pursuant to the DOJ policy. Material to the preparation of the defense. In support of the argument that the IgG information is not discoverable, the state argues that the IgG information is not material to the preparation of the defense because the defendant is charged with killing four people, not with being related to a particular person. The mere fact that uploading the completed SNP profile into a publicly available Genetic Genealogy Service led law enforcement to relatives of the defendant does not affect the strength of the evidence against him. The family tree built by the FBI merely pointed law enforcement to the defendant and law enforcement followed that lead to develop the, the substantive evidence of guilt that was used for his arrest that will be used at trial. The only relevant DNA evidence in this is the DNA found on the knife sheath and the DNA taken directly from Koberger because those DNA profiles can be directly compared and according to the state match. So that's exactly what I've been saying. So you can't compare Brian Koberger's dad's DNA that they pulled out of the trash to the sheath and use that against Koberger at trial. You can use that as evidence to go search his apartment. You can use that as evidence to pull Brian Koberger's DNA. And, you know, if it ends up coming back that it didn't match, I mean, they got the wrong guy if that ends up being the case. But that would mean that Brian Koberger has like a you know, long lost brother that nobody knows about. So how the IgG profile was created and how many other people the FBI chose to ignore during their investigation. So that's what the defense wants to know. And my question is, does it really matter if they ignored other people? And this, this is basically what it boils down to what the defense's argument. Essentially, the defense would like to know whose DNA matched the suspect SNP DNA profile uploaded to the genetic genealogy services and who else was identified on the family tree. The defense could then investigate those individuals who share DNA with Koberger to determine if these individuals were around the King Road residence at the time of the murders. And if law enforcement obtained these individuals DNA and tested it found on the sheet, the defense seeks this information to determine whether Koberger was or is the sole suspect. They're saying that Koberger has a brother out there that nobody knows about and that this guy could have been the killer. And we need to find out if he was by the King Road residence. All right. An IgG search can impact a statistical rarity of a profile in a manner similar to a cold hit search, meaning that the statistic that is generated by an analysis of a IgG search could yield a relevant or an admissible statistic. Research in the area of the impact of the IgG search on statistical weight of DNA comparison using standard of STR DNA profiles 
is ongoing. Additionally, like in Harmon and Bortree, it is plausible that Koberger may use the IgG information obtained in discovery to challenge the admissibility of other evidence, while such challenge seems futile since the IgG information was not used to obtain the search warrant for Koberger's DNA and would not be present at trial by the state. The court cannot say with certainty that the defense team could not make a successful challenge if given the information they seek. Basically, because the court hasn't seen the evidence that the um, prosecution has from the IgG, they can't say with 100% shadow of a doubt that there isn't anything there. But they also say, and this is from the court, the challenge seems futile. You don't know what that means. That just means that it, it seems pointless. You know, and, and that's the thing. You know, these are the challenges. This is what Koberger's challenging. You know, if you think an innocent man is challenging the fact that they want to see if there's an evil twin brother out there that was switched at birth and, you know, nobody knows about. Crazy. Uh, the FBI was working in conjunction with the Moscow Police Department and Idaho State Lab uh, to investigate or Idaho State Police to investigate the homicides. From the court's understanding, the FBI set up a, a public tip line, conducted the IgG analysis, identified the suspect's car as a 2011 and 2016 Hyundai Elantra and possibly aided in interviewing witnesses outside of Idaho. So when people say that, oh man, Moscow Police Department or Idaho State Police have these crooked cops and they're doing this and they're doing that. Well, this case wasn't solved by them. It appears that it was completely solved by the FBI. So all this theories of frame job, throw that out the window. Right. Informants, the state argues that the genetic genealogy service and the individuals related to Koberger whose profiles match the defendant's S&P profile are informants whose identities are protected from disclosure under Idaho Rule 16. Disclosure must not be required of an informant's identity unless the informant is to be produced as a witness at hearing trial subject to any protective order under subsection one of this rule disclosure under subsection. So basically what that means is that the defense doesn't have to disclose informants if they don't use them in court. They're not bringing Brian Koberger's relatives into court to testify that, you know, they submitted their DNA to 23andMe and are related to Brian Koberger. That's not going to happen. In conclusion, the state's argument that the IgG investigation is wholly irrelevant since it was not used in obtaining any warrants and will not be used in trial is well supported. Nonetheless, Koberger is entitled to view at least some of the IgG information in, in preparing his defense, even if it may ultimately be found to be irrelevant. In balancing these interests, the court will conduct an in-camera review of all IgG information and possession, custody, and control of the state, including the FBI, to determine precisely what needs to be disclosed and what does not need to be disclosed and issue any protective order necessary.